And we honor you so much, Lord God, for your word. We honor you for your truth. We honor you for the blessing that it is that we have in you, Lord God. Knowing you, Lord God, there is nothing compared to knowing you. And we can do that today because of what we're celebrating, your resurrection. <laughs> that you are a living God. You are not a figment of our imagination. You are not something that weak people conjured up in order to help them get through life. But you are the creator of life, the giver of life. And we stand in awe of you today, Lord God, thanking you for our salvation. Praying today that you, Lord, would speak to us. Give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church. And Father, may you be glorified as I share your word on this Resurrection Sunday. We give you all the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' name, someone said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Now, I'm going to take this opportunity to ask a favor. I was going to do this before I read the word, but I figured I just need to do this to make sure that it's there and that you hear it. This is the house of the Lord, amen? amen? Which means that this is the place that we have set apart for God, his glory, and his kingdom. It's a place we've set apart to worship him, to seek him, to come, to worship, and hear his word. Hear his word. Say, hear his word. And I understand because I have a daughter that I love to death. Anybody love their children to death up in here? And it took us a little while before we put her in a nursery. Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. But I want you to know that while she was not in the nursery, she was sitting in her stroller right next to mommy and daddy. And anytime that anybody would ask, oh, let me hold the baby. You know what we said? No. You know why? Because this is God's time. Now listen, I know sometimes it's hard for us to separate from our children, which I respect and I wholeheartedly understand. And I know sometimes it's hard for our children to separate from us. Amen. And so sometimes they go into that nursery and they just start going nuts. Glory to God. Mommy, daddy left them and they just don't know what to do. Hallelujah. Now listen to me. If the nursery workers have to come out and get you as a parent, mother or father, whatever it may be, you can go on ahead, get up and go out there. Now, if you find that you are doing this multiple times, I would like for you to be respectful to the people that you're walking in front of. We wear a small church. Amen. Small building. Everybody sees everything that goes on. So when you move, everybody's distracted because all eyes went on you. And I want to let you know that as the preacher, as, as hard as I try to not focus on that stuff, listen, I pray for you. I prepare this word as best I can for you. And when I am preaching this word, I take it seriously. And so when I see movement and I see irreverence, I believe that that is a great disrespect to God. And for me, sincerely, it ain't about me. It's about him. But I do want to let you know I do put a little work into this. Hello. And so... I'm just asking you, if you can't put your baby in the nursery, I understand that and I respect that, but can you hold your child and keep your baby to yourself? Let's not play musical baby. No passing the baby. I know, I know babies are cute. And, 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 and for the rest of you that are surrounding those cute babies, do me a favor. Control yourself. Don't ask the mommy or the daddy for the baby because then you're going to make them sin. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. It wasn't that bad. Amen. Hallelujah. Today is a special day. Today is a day that we as a church, this is our pride and joy day. 
This, this, is, this is the day that sets us apart from every other religion on the earth. And I know that, you know, we think about this day, you know, and, and, and we've called it Easter on our calendar. It says Easter Sunday. And, you know, we, 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 we think about Easter. We think about Easter eggs and Easter egg hunts and Easter egg baskets and a bunny with eggs. And, you know, we think about all this stuff. But I want you to know that what Easter is really about, it is about springtime. It is about celebrating a time of new life. And it is God in his almighty infinite wisdom who brought his son to this earth, died in our place, and then resurrected. And this new life manifested. This new life came to be. This new life in him came forward. And we celebrate today that new life. And I believe that one of the greatest, the greatest tragedies that has happened on the planet is that we have minimized Christianity and put it on the same level with just another world religion. This is what we've done. We have put Christianity as equal to Islam. We have put Christianity as equal to being a Jehovah's Witness. We have put Christianity as equal to Buddhism. We have put Christianity as equal. And you want to know why this is such a problem? You want to know why this is such an issue? Because when you minimize Christianity and call it just another religion, what you are saying to people is, you know what, you just pick and choose whichever one you like the best. But here is, here is an even greater reason why this is such a bad thing. Because you can have religion without relationship. Christianity is the only, if we're going to call it religion, that boasts what it boasts, which is that we serve the risen Savior. But most religions believe in a living God, right? They believe in the gods that control the sun and control this and, and control fate. And they, they, they believe in that stuff, right? That, that, that most, most of these religions believe that. But none of those religions talk about this God that loves them. None of these religions talk about this God who came to the earth, lived a perfect life, so that way we could have, none of these religions boast that, 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 that this God that came, lived this perfect life, died and resurrected, and then, here's the beauty of this, he didn't just resurrect and sit on a throne, but he wants to sit on the throne of your heart. Jesus said that he wants to dwell with us. Him and his father want to come and make a home with us. Do you know that Jesus wants to make a home with you? You see, because all of these other religions, what they teach you is they teach you good moral conduct. And you know what we've done, church? I'm, I'm going to tell you what has happened. I, had a, I, had, a, had, a, had, a, I had a wonderful person come up to me, a little bit confused in my opinion. But this person came up to me and they said, you know, I believe that, you know, it's, it's not so much important, you know, what you preach. It's not so much important the message that you're saying. But, you know, we need to go ahead and do what Jesus said. We need to make sure that we're feeding those who are hungry, that we're clothing those who are naked, that we're, you know, taking care of that, those situations. And I said, well, Praise the Lord. I said, I agree with that. I said, but you know what? If you go and you feed a hungry person, you go and you clothe a naked person, you go and you help somebody, and you don't offer them Jesus, you have done a disservice to the God that you say you're committed to. Because you are not doing, see, because I can do a good deed in my own name. Hello. But it's a different thing when I do a good, good deed in the name of Jesus and I offer them the Christ who is directing me to do this good deed. And that is the problem is that we have went ahead and you have preachers that, you know, will go ahead and they just connect with everybody just to do all of these good deeds. And we're just presenting a whole bunch of confusion. And it's a tragedy, church. It is a tragedy 
because we are teaching people, well, all Christianity is about is just about doing good deeds. Do you understand that Christianity is not about just doing good deeds? Christianity is about a new life. Say new life. It is about a new life that is given to us based on the life that Jesus Christ lived, the life that he offered, and the life that he took back when he rose from the grave on the third day. He offers us new life. You see, it is impossible. It's possible for you or I to go on ahead and create a religion of our own based on either what God has put in our hearts or based on our sinful nature. What do you mean? Well, you know, people go on ahead and they have relative religion now. Hello. It's not based on the word of God. It is based on what feels good to them at the moment. And you know what they do? They, 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 they give heed to that belief system. So you know what they're doing? That's not based upon what God put in their heart. That's based upon them fulfilling their desires. And so we have an issue. Because you can have a religion. You can make your own religion. You don't got to go and find a big one. You can make your own glory to God. Mm-hmm. You can create your own thing. But listen, listen. It is impossible for you or me to be a true Christian without a relationship. Coming to church does not make you a Christian. Reading the Bible does not make you a Christian. Knowing John 3.16 does not make you a Christian. Calling yourself a Pentecostal, a Baptist, a Presbyterian, a whatever you call yourself, whatever you, that does not make you a Christian. What makes you and I a Christian is a relationship with a living God. And the way that that relationship is possible is because of the sacrifice that Jesus made becoming the bridge for us to get to relationship with the Father. But not only that, see, there was another component that has to be there and has to be present. He couldn't just die for our sins. He had to resurrect because how can you have a relationship with a dead God? You can't have a relationship with someone who is laying up in a tomb. Hello. You can't have a relationship with someone who preached great messages and all of this stuff. Listen, if, if, if me, you know, you may consider me to be a good teacher, good preacher, glory to God. But you know what? When I die, listen to me. I know folks don't want to hear what I'm about to say because we have loved ones that we think, you know, we go and we talk to them and they're talking back to us. Listen, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just keeping it real because, because we, have, we have people. That, you know, Christian people who believe they're talking to Aunt Sally. <laughs> Grandpa Joe, I'm going through an issue. I need your wisdom. No, you don't. You need the wisdom that he had. And where did he get it from if he was a Christian? He got the wisdom from God Almighty. What I'm saying is, when a person dies, your, your love may not die, your care for them may not die, but your relationship with them, that relationship dies. Why? Because that person can no longer communicate with you. That person can no longer come and hug you. You can remember their hugs. You can remember their words. You can remember all of those beautiful things that made them such a great part of your life. But relationship is over. And you know, and you know how I can prove this? Because people who think their relationships continue usually stop living. Do you hear what I just said? 
people who think their relationships continue with people who have died, you know what they end up doing? They stop living in that area of their life. This is the truth, is it not? They're always depressed. They're always torn up about this. They're always overtaken by something. Because what? Because it is a dead person. And that person cannot give them life. But what does our Savior do, church? Our Savior dies in our place, resurrects, and offers us a relationship. Offers us intimacy with him. Since the time that Jesus walked on this earth, there has been something that has been opposed to him, and it has been religion. Religious leaders hated Jesus. They were opposed to him, and yet when they would come and question him, they were found wanting. In other words, they would try to catch him up, and he would always come back with a remark. He would always respond, or he would do something that would leave them with their mouths open saying, man, we're not going to be able to get him. They got him to the cross, and they figured, okay, we got him here. It is over. It is done with. We're not going to hear this guy preaching no more. People are going to forget about him and all this stuff that they believe. And then they went ahead, and they said, you know what? We are going to make sure that there is no deception that comes in line with what? With this guy dying. You know what they found themselves again? Again, they found themselves wanting. Because what? They tried to catch him up when he was alive, couldn't do it. They tried to catch him up when he, was, when, when he died, couldn't do it. Why? Because he resurrected. What I want to talk to you today about for the next few moments is you and I being unlimited by his limitation. You and I being unlimited by his limitation. What do you mean, Bishop? What I mean is God has no limitations. Hello. And you and I can live unlimited by the power of sin and by the power of death. If what? If we will accept this gift, this offer that this resurrection speaks to us about. What does the resurrection speak to us about? The resurrection gives us hope for the future and it gives us liberty for the present. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn to the book of Romans chapter 8. I want to read something to you. Liberty for the present, because Jesus doesn't want you to just have a hope for tomorrow, but he wants you to have freedom for today. He didn't come to just give us life tomorrow. He came to give us eternal life that begins when? It begins right now, the moment that you accept him, the moment that you receive him into your life. Romans chapter 8 and verse 18, when you got to say so. The Apostle Paul is speaking here and he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Now listen, I want you to realize what the scripture is saying here. The scripture is saying here that the earth is groaning. All of creation is making a noise whether we hear it or not. And you know, we hear it all the time. What do you mean we hear it, Bishop? Tsunami, groaning. Earthquakes, groaning. Global warming, groaning. Hello, somebody. Well, what do you think is going on here? The earth is groaning because of what? Because the earth, sometimes, can I say it like this? Sometimes the earth is more desperate for God than you and I are. 
Look, we, 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 mm-hmm. we will come to church and we will stand up in here and we will, and, and we, and, and some, not, not everybody, but some of us, we will stand, I'm going to just stand over here, glory to God, because nobody sits in this as a wide open road, glory to his name. But some of us will stand up in here and we will just stare at the worship team. Come on, Bishop, preach that. Just stand here and look at them like they're going to pull a cat out of a hat or a rabbit or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yet, what should be happening to us is there should be something going on inside of us. There should be either a desperation for God that is coming from you, that is saying, God, I want more of you. And, that, and I'm not saying you're going to be loud because not everybody's going to be loud. I'm going to tell you everybody should clap. Hello? Everybody should sing. You know why? Not because I said it, but because the Bible instructs us to do it. Hello, somebody. So we realize that there are some things that we need to make sure that we are doing. But the truth of the matter is, is that in some circumstances, some situations, the earth is more passionate about God returning than we are. This is sad, church. The earth is over here, earthquaking, tsunamiing. It's over here, global warming. It's got hurricaning all over the place. All what? Saying, God, I want you to come. God, I want you to manifest yourself. God, I want your presence in this earth. I am tired of being stuck here. I want to be. That, that's what the earth is saying. What are you saying? So we have this issue. Repeat this after me. All of creation has been limited by death. In the book of Genesis, we find a story that we're all familiar with, and it is this story of Adam and Eve. They're in the garden, and when they're in this garden, God tells them, do not eat of the fruit of this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Stay away from that tree. You can eat anything else that is in this garden, but do not eat of that fruit. Adam is like, all right, God, it's cool. Eve comes on the scene. She's cool with it until this slimy, slick Rick snake comes slithering. It's like four S's in a row. I'm going to just say Santo, hallelujah, because another S, glory to God. That means holy, glory to God, translation. Comes up in the scene, tempts her. He says, listen, did God say not to eat of this tree? She's like, yeah, he said not to eat of it, not to touch her. He said, listen, you know what? God don't want you to do this. Start lying. He don't want you to do this. Because the day that you eat of this tree, well, you're going to become like him. Listen, she was already as close to being like God as she would have ever been without that food there, without eating of that tree. She wasn't going to get no closer to being like God. On the contrary, she was now going to be separated from God. They partake of this tree, they eat of this fruit, and something enters the world that was not there until that time in humanity. Obviously, in the snake, it was there, but it wasn't there in humanity. God didn't create man with sin. Hello. So now, sin enters the world. And what enters the world with sin? Death. So now, all of a sudden, see, that's, that's, what, that, that's what's wrong with the earth. The earth is tired of dying. Hello. Wasn't created to die. And you know, I mean, come on now. Everybody's trying to find a fountain of youth. And if they can't find it, they will push their face back to make you think they found it. <laughs> Botox, glory to God. All that craziness right up in there. Uh-huh. If you get Botox, hey, glory to God. Hallelujah. 
I'm not trying to say, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just saying, you know, I'm thinking about folks that we see on television because ain't nobody up in here looking crazy to me right now at this moment. And I'm just going to look at the floor right now because if there is, I know I'm just joking. Y'all are beautiful. Praise the Lord. But everybody is trying to find that fountain of youth. Everybody, look, the, 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 the new thing now is, look, folks want to be healthy. Eating organic, everything, glory to God. They want no preservatives, no additives, because everything causes cancer. You know that, right? <laughs> everything causes cancer. <laughs> so they, 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 they read labels and all the, why, why, why are they doing that? Why, why are we doing that, church? Because of what? Because of one thing. Because we, listen to me, you and I were not created to die. And so what are we doing? We are simply responding to what is inside of us. Eternity is inside of our hearts. And so what is man trying to do? Man is trying to exist, live as long as he can because of what? Listen, talk to someone who is older, much older, like 90 years old. They can't wait to die. <laughs> you think I'm lying to you? They... <laughs> They ready to go with the Lord. They're like, look, I done lived. I seen everything I'm going to see. I don't want to see it again. Glory to God. Because they saw it in their generation. They saw it in the next generation. They're seeing it in this generation. They're like, man, I'm tired of seeing this craziness. Hello? They ready to go with the Lord. They're like, look, I done seen everything. I done gave all the wisdom I got to give. I'm getting old, frail. Hello? But everybody wants that fountain of youth. Everybody wants that eternal life. And Jesus is offering us that eternal life. He ain't going to make your skin look tight all the time. Hello? Listen to me. Coming to Jesus is not necessarily going to make you more healthy. Hello? Because you may continue to abuse your body with whatever you eat. So that, that's your choice. Mm-hmm. Glory to God. Some folks looking down right now. But praise the Lord. I love you. It is the truth. Hallelujah. Just because we have Jesus doesn't mean that we're going to take care of that temple the way we should. All right? Praise the Lord. But listen, he wants to give you something greater than life in this earth. He wants to give you eternal life. But all of creation, every single last one of us that is in here, we have been limited by death. When sin entered the world, what happened? Sin took possession over the hearts of man, and death began to reign in the earth. And what happened was sin separated man from God. And you know what that did? That disqualified man from experiencing the fullness of God in his life. When you are separated from God, you are not experiencing God's best. Listen to me. You can have thousands, hundreds, millions of dollars in the bank and still be separated from God, and you are not experiencing God's best. Mm -hmm. Everybody's like, Bishop, I need those thousands, hundreds, millions, glory to God. I'm not, listen, listen, listen. What I'm saying is, yeah, we could use that. But you know how many people are rich? You read about them all the time. Committing suicide, 20, 30 years old, overdosing on stuff. Why? Because they had all of that money, but they were still empty. They had all of that fame. They had all of that success, all of that notoriety, but they were still separated from God. That's why it's important that you and I don't want to be like anybody except Jesus. Because when we are wanting to be like Jesus, we have to connect to the Father. And in that relationship, no matter what we don't have in this earth, when we have him, we have everything that we need.
So sin comes into this earth, disqualifies man, women, children. Everybody born into this earth is born into sin. Everybody is born separated from God. Number two, say this with me. Apart from Christ, we are all limited by the power of sin. Now, see, you heard what you said, right? You, first of all, you said all of creation has been limited by death. Now you just repeated after me that apart from Christ, we are all limited by the power of sin. So you know what that means? That means that if you do not know Jesus right now, you have a problem. But glory to God, we can fix that problem today. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen. Every human being on earth is born into sin. And hear me, without submission to the leadership of Jesus Christ, the Bible says you and I are slaves to sin. Now, can I ask you a question? What does a slave have? He has nothing but a master. That's all a slave. And he ain't even got the master. The master got him. Mm -hmm. So if the Bible says that we are slaves to sin, then that means that we have a master. That master is sin. Now, 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 now here's the thing you got to realize. There is something that this master does. And a lot of people, when they, when, when they talk about slaves and they give these examples here, talk about bond servants, they give the correlation to an employer-employee relationship. Now, obviously, we know it's a little bit different because slavery, not necessarily payment, is going to be given to you when you are a slave. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that if you are a person whose master is sin, you get paid. Did you hear what I said? If you are a person in here, you got to hear me now, because whether you are working with God or you are working apart from God, whether you are working with his plan or you are working against his plan, guess what? You're going to get paid. Mm -hmm. You are going to get paid. Everybody on planet Earth is going to get paid. Everybody. Ain't you excited about that? Mm -hmm. See, you, you, you know there's only a couple of people because they're trying to egg y'all on, glory to God. Because you know what the Bible says? The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says the wages of sin is death. Mm -hmm. Y'all didn't hear me. So your payment for walking separate from Christ, your payment from doing everything you want to do, your payment for living how you want to live, are you going to get paid all right? Your payment for what you do the way you want to do it, not thinking about God, the Bible says you're going to get paid, baby. Mm -hmm. But your payment is death. The wages of sin are death. That's what you get paid. So you're going to get paid. Mm -hmm. You ain't going to like it too much. It's kind of like some of y'all looking at your paycheck. Glory to God. I thought I was getting a raise. Mm -hmm. The wages of sin is death. I looked at that word wages. because I, I, I was curious to know what the, you know what the word meant. I knew it meant payment. But you know what it literally means? It is the word opsonion in the Greek. And it means rations for a soldier. Rations for a soldier. Now, I don't know much about Army, Navy, military. I don't know much about that stuff. But here's one thing that I do know is that they teach you to deal with the least amount of everything. Is it not true? My brother Alex, he's back there. Glory to God. Military, Marine, hoorah, hallelujah. <laughs> they teach you 
When you go out there in the field, you ain't having no filet mignon. Hello? You in soldier mode. You getting just what you need. That's all you're getting. You're getting some bread and water. Hello, somebody. If that, you know what he's saying? You working. Listen, some of y'all are breaking your back. Are, are you hearing me? Some of, some of us in here that don't know Jesus are breaking our back for nothing. And you know what the sad part is? Is that the devil has you fooled. Because he's showing you this big paycheck. You know, it's kind of like those, you know, those, those telemarketing, you know, schemes and all those pyramid schemes. And they show you this big old check. You can make this kind of money in a month, glory to God. And, and it's only going to take you 15 minutes a, a week or a day or whatever. 15, 15 extra minutes a day. You Two hours a week and you're going to make all of this kind of money. Showing you this big check. Uh-huh. Go on ahead and buy into that. Just, 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 just dig a little bit. And you start to see how hard you're really working. And you know what? Majority of people... They ain't making that check. Did you hear me? But you know what? This is how the devil has so many people. They are working day in and day out as a soldier in the army of the devil. Did you hear me? Because if you ain't on God's side, guess what? I, I, I know you want to believe I'm just kind of in the middle. Mm -mm. There ain't no middle. It's either God's side or the devil's side. One or the other. I know, I, I, listen, I, I know you don't want to hear that, but it's the truth. And, and you know why you need to hear this? Because you need to determine which side am I on? Am, am, am I living to glorify him? Am I living in a relationship with him? Am I living with the joy of the Lord? Am I living with peace in my life? Or am I living over here faking it? Am I living over here sometimes? All right. Am I living over here for myself and not for him? Am I living over here wondering, does God even care about me and where I am? Because you know what? If you're living there, God don't want you to stay there. What does he want? He wants you to come over to his side because, see, the Bible goes on to say, it says the wages of sin is death, but the gift. That word gift is the word charisma, and it means a divine gratuity. Oh, he's going to hook you up. <laughs> a divine gratuity. Gratuity is like a tip, right? And I want you to know something. Our God's tips are bigger than any one of our bills. Did you hear what I just said? Our God's ability to tip is bigger than anything. You know what? He came with, his, with himself to this earth and paid the price of our bill. And you know what he wants to do? He doesn't just want to just give you life. For eternal life, he wants to change your life today. He wants to change your life from today forward. You see, this is the problem, is that we think eternal life begins the day that we breathe our last. The devil is a liar. Eternal life begins the day that you submit your life to Christ. God begins to dwell inside of us. So the scripture goes on, teaches us that we have a choice. We can either work for the peanuts that the enemy offers us, or we can come over into God's house. Not this place, because I don't want you here all the time, glory to God. Got to go home, praise the Lord. But you can come into a relationship with God and not experience the things that you're experiencing. See, because here's the problem. This is the reality. We know that the wages of sin is death. So at the end of all of this, if you don't know Jesus, this is the problem. The problem is, and this is, this is the problem that you have if you don't know him, 
It is that you are going to spend eternity separated from God in a place that is not fun. And I'm going to say it right now. Praise the Lord. That place is hell. Did you hear what I just said? Hell. I want you to know what your Bible says. Your Bible says that God did not create hell for you or for me. He created it for the devil and his angels. That's who hell was created for. What does that mean? That means that God didn't create you to go to hell. Hello. Well, y'all ain't saying nothing. So if you are sitting in this place, then that means that God has somewhere else that he wants you to spend eternity. And it is not separated from him in a place of suffering. Haven't you suffered enough in this earth? Do you read the scriptures with me? Paul said, look at verse 18 in chapter 8 there. He said, for I consider, I consider that the sufferings of this present time. What is he saying? He's saying, I'm a man of God, and I'm still going through suffering. But he knows that he has a hope for tomorrow. Because he says the suffering of this present time is nothing to be compared with what? The future glory that will be revealed. What God wants to show us. So I want, I want to make this clear, too, because as I'm making this invitation today, I'm not telling you you're going to come to Jesus and everything is just going to be peachy and roses and just easy because Jesus is not the easy way. He's the only way. He's the right way. He's not the easy way because that, that's the problem with folks is that folks want the easy way out of everything. Done dug this hole so deep all by themselves. They weren't taking the easy way that way. They were just doing it hardcore. Hello. And now they want to come to Jesus and just be free as a bird and everything is going to be all right. Listen to me. That's not what I'm telling you. Because you may have to go through some difficulty in order to get to where God wants you to be. But what I want to let you know is that while you are going through difficult times, it is a beautiful thing not to have to go and smoke something, not to go after and drink something, not to go after pop something in order to be able to deal with your difficulty. But what you can do is you can come before Almighty God and experience the flood of peace, experience the flood of joy. But that only happens when you have relationship. See, every day that you spend separated from God, you know what you're experiencing? Death. What do you mean? Depression. Death. Bitterness. Unforgiveness. Death. Hatred towards other people. Death. All of those things are death. All of those things are because you're not connected to God. Do you think God wants you to experience that? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, God doesn't want you to experience that. He doesn't want you to experience that stuff for no reason. Well, first of all, let me just say it like this. You shouldn't be experiencing depression as a Christian. Mm -hmm. I know I got three amens, but it's all right. Listen to me. You should not be suffering depression if you are a child of God. How can, how can depression and joy dwell in the same house? You should not be over here experiencing unforgiveness if you are a child of God. How can forgiveness and love dwell in the same house with unforgiveness and hatred? It can't. Listen to me. Those are all things that are death. And you know what? You have a choice because you don't have to experience those things. Oh, you're going to experience hardship. Yeah, I, get, I promise you that. But you're going to experience hardship with a joy that is unspeakable. What do you mean unspeakable? Well, you know what? I'm going through whatever I'm going, and I can't find it within me to complain, but I can just praise him through whatever. 
That is the joy that's unspeakable. It's something that we don't understand and we don't comprehend. The third thing I want you to repeat with me is say this. Jesus destroyed the limitations that have been placed upon us. And I'm getting ready to close here, but by accepting the offer of salvation, what, do we, what happens? We receive freedom from every form of sin, every consequence of sin, and every characteristic of sin in our lives. When we accept the gift, when we accept the offer of salvation that God gives us, you know what happens? We are delivered from the consequence of sin because what is the consequence of sin? I just told you what the payment was. That's the consequence, death. And so what happens when you come to cross, when, when you come to Christ, the cross blots out all of that stuff. Every characteristic of sin in your life. You're battling with addiction. You're battling with, 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 with depression. You're battling with all of this unforgiveness. You're battling with childhood, childhood pains. You're battling with issues in your marriage. You're battling with struggles with your children. All of those things can be dealt with by who? By the Savior who offers you life. The question is, what do you want? Do you want the peanuts that the enemy offers you? Or do you want the eternal life that God offers you? Do you want to experience the resurrection power of God in your life? Or do you just want to continue to live your life day by day? It's worse than living paycheck to paycheck. Hello. Listen, you can have a security. You can have a peace. You can have a joy that you have never known. But the ultimate question is, are you ready to deal with some real issues? Are you ready to deal with what really matters? See, because God doesn't just want to give you this ticket out of hell and just, you know, you go on about your business. No. God wants you to make a trade-in. Hear me. He wants you to trade your life for his. He wants you to give you, he wants you to give him your life and receive his gift. And he wants to come and dwell with you. He wants to come and live in you. He wants to love on you. He wants to fill you, and he wants to make you the child of God that he created you to be. The Bible says that those who God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That Jesus might be the firstborn, the firstfruits among many brethren. Can I, can, can, can I just tell you something? There is nobody in this place God didn't foreknow it's impossible that would violate who God is God foreknows every person who has ever walked planet earth and you know what he wants for every person he says it clearly in his word he says he doesn't wish that anyone would perish he doesn't want anyone to die but he wants everyone to come to repentance he wants everybody to turn. Everybody that's sitting in here. He doesn't want you to experience death. He wants you to experience true life. He wants you to experience real life. Not the life that this world offers. He wants you to experience true life. You see, the beauty of the day that we're celebrating today is that if we will come to him, we get to experience this resurrection power. And I want to tell you something about this resurrection. In the face of the resurrection, statistics become irrelevant. What are you talking about? Well, I can tell you from personal experience, 
Statistically, me, I shouldn't be here preaching this gospel. Statistically, you know where I should be? I should be in one of three places. I should be either dead because of the life that I was living. I should be diseased and on my way to dying. Or I should be in prison somewhere. Statistically. But you know what God does? In the face of the resurrection, my life that was a statistic that was going to be hell bound. Hello. God comes and enters into the picture and he says, you know what? Those statistics are irrelevant. And you know what he did? He went ahead and took somebody who was hellbound, someone who was going absolutely down the wrong way and had no hope, and he went ahead and helped me to make this U-turn. And today, you know what I'm doing? I am doing the most important thing that anybody could ever do. Oh, you think yeah, a doctor does a very important thing. They help your body for here and now. Our president, he does something very important as well runs this nation but you want to know something what I do I get to affect your life for eternity and that is more important than anything that's what God does to statistics he takes you and somebody who was an absolute nobody and not going to amount to anything he says I'm gonna give you the most important job on the planet preaching my word this is what he does you see but that's not religion church that is relationship religion can't do what God did in my life religion can't do that see just like the Apostle Paul said when we read in 1st Corinthians chapter 15 he said after he appeared to the Apostles and he appeared to um, the, uh, the, the 500 plus people after he did all of that then he says he appeared to me so you know what he has another witness because he's resurrected and he's doing what? He's coming and he's showing his reality. In the face of the resurrection, stumbling blocks in your life become stepping stones. In the face of the resurrection, those things that are meant to knock you down, those things that are meant to destroy you, those things that are meant to hinder you are the things that God utilizes to take you to your next level. Listen to me. The question is, do you want to live on your own strength or do you want to receive his gift? Do you want to live in your own power or do you want to receive the wonderful offer of salvation that he gives to you? In the face of the resurrection, tragedy becomes triumph and impossibility becomes possible. Why? Because it's not by our power, it's not by our might, but it is by the power of the one who raised his son from the dead. And this morning, there's two kind of people in this place. Only two. Two. There is the one kind of person who has dealt with their need for Jesus. That's the one kind of person. That's the person that has said, Lord, I need you, and I'm walking with you, living my life for you. I'm not perfect. Notice I didn't say there ain't no perfect people in here. That's not a category. That's a category in heaven. If you're perfect, you need to just leave. If you've arrived, you're in the wrong place. Hello. Matter of fact, if you've arrived, let me sit down. You're going ahead and preach because I need to hear from you. Hmm. But there's the person that has sincerely dealt with their need for Jesus. And I hope that that's the majority in here. But listen to me. There is also the person who has ignored 
their need for Jesus. There's the person who has been more concerned with the relationship, more concerned with the drug, more concerned with other things. And you know what they've done? They've ignored their need for Christ. Oh, they, 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 you, you, you might have said a prayer. Did I say it? I didn't say it earlier. But along with reading the Bible don't make you a Christian, coming to church don't make you a Christian, knowing John 3.16 don't make you a Christian, saying a prayer don't make you a Christian. That's the problem with a whole lot of folks. They think because one day they said a prayer, now they're Christian, everything is good and everything is great. Listen, that doesn't mean you dealt with your need for Christ. If you are not inside of yourself every day longing for him, meditating on him, listen, I have to question if you really dealt with that. And so here's the bottom line. If you're a person that's in here and you dealt with your need for Christ, you should be praying for the rest of those that haven't. But if you're a person that's in this place and you haven't dealt with your need for Christ, today's the day that he wants to enter your life and he wants to turn it upside down. Listen to me. I was saying it this morning in the sunrise service. I said it's amazing to me because our God, the Bible says, caused this earthquake to happen. And yet the only thing that was affected was the stone that was in the way of his purpose. And when I say God wants to turn your life upside down, he knows how to turn your life upside down without messing stuff up, but getting the things in order that he needs to get in order. And so the question is this, first of all, which one are you? Think about that for a moment. Are you a person who has dealt with your need for Christ and you're walking with him and you're okay? Or are you the person who has ignored your need for Christ? You may have said a prayer one day. You may have grown up in church. You may know all these kind of things, but you are still ignoring your need for Christ, thinking you could do it on your own. If you are that person, today is a glorious day for you because Jesus is here right now and he's offering you himself. He's saying, receive my gift so I can come into your life and I can make it the way that I want. That's what he says. So everybody please stand to your feet and bow your heads.